2: What is up, everybody? Welcome into this Wednesday episode of Flippin' Bass, where we got a great guest coming at you. One of the best pitchers in the game of baseball for the Arizona Diamondbacks, Zach Gallen. This is going to be an awesome conversation. One, I actually played against Zach Gallen in the minor leagues, and it turned out he had quite the bone to pick with me from when we played against each other down in Palm Beach when he was with the Cardinals organization. So that was fun to hear him bring up, but it ended up being a really awesome conversation. He was just named to the All-Star team, was the starting pitcher in the All-Star game. We're going to talk all about that and the outfit he wore on the red carpet and how it was starting that game, this Diamondbacks team and how much fun it has been playing on a team that is on the cusp of being in a playoff spot and just so much more from his life journey playing at UNC and getting drafted and his funny call-up to the big league story. This is a really, really fun conversation. I hope you all enjoy it. So without further ado, let's welcome in now Zach Gallon. the track at the wall it's gone home run turns on a ball deep right field what a game what a moment all right and i am pumped to be joined now by zach gallon starting pitcher and all-star for the arizona diamondback zach how are you my friend doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Hey, I want to start with the all-star game. Cause just saw you up there a couple of weeks ago. I got to ask about the fit, the outfit you were wearing. I mean, it was, is that the style you have? Is that typical for you? I mean, you looked great there on the red carpet.
0: Oh, I appreciate that. Um, the, the style is probably within what I normally do. The, the Gucci sweater was definitely out of my comfort zone. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I'll, you know, especially on the golf course, I'll, I'll, you know, rock the collared shirt with, you know, a little sweater over top or, you know, crew neck or whatever. Um, so I figured I would just kind of elevate, elevate that. And, you know, I was looking for something to make a statement. I saw that sweater when I was out shopping and uh, figured I'd pick it up and see what we could do with it.
2: I mean, when you're the starting pitcher in the all-star game, I feel like you got to bring the heat and, and you did that. So I, I thought it was a good look. So your first all-star game, first off, I can't believe it was your first all-star game, but that's a different story. Uh, cause you've been <laughs> one of the best pitchers in baseball for a few years now, but how was the experience overall for you?
0: Yeah, it was, um, I mean, it was everything and more everything you kind of dream about, you hear about, um, it was awesome. Um, but there's definitely not much downtime. Uh, I think I was up at six thirty, seven a.m. each day to kind of get ready to, you know, shower, eat breakfast, and then media and do all that stuff. So there's not there's not much rest, but, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. We, my family and I had a great time.
2: I say somehow is your first because in three of your four full big league seasons so far, you've had a sub three ERA. So the fact that it was your first is crazy to me. Is that something that, you've thought of in the past, like I should have been an all-star this year and something that has a little chip on your shoulder.
0: For sure. Um, but at the same time, like I, I I get the the context of how those seasons, um, you know, came to be, uh, obviously nineteen's my rookie year got called up after the all-star game. So, you know, it is what it is. not going to make the all-star team 20, the COVID year, uh, no all-star game again. And then 21, um, you know, battled some injuries, got off to a pretty solid start, but, you know, just couldn't put it together fully. And then last year, pitched well going into the All-Star break. And, you know, last couple before just kind of didn't pitch very well. Um, and so this year, I'm like, okay, that, I'm not going to – I'm I'm, finishing this one through through the All-Star break. Um, that way I'd try and get there. Uh, but, yeah, it was, it's definitely something I use as motivation for sure.
2: Was it an easy decision for you to – to start the game once you were asked did you know like i'm doing this 100 percent? i want to get the ball to start the game in the all-star game
0: yeah so i i talked to i think Tori had a team party like i think we had a off day that monday after everyone found out and we were at the party and he was like hey just um be a, like heads up like it's between you and somebody else so don't be surprised if i call you later this week and say you're gonna get the start I'm like all right that's cool like I would never dream that. I'm like, I'm just happy to go. just happy to be there.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and then he FaceTimed me on Wednesday or Thursday. I forget what it was. And I was like, Hey, so you got the start. Um, so, I, you know, I called my girlfriend and then called my parents and yeah, just let them know. So it was, it was a no brainer. Um, and I think my schedule of rest kind of lined up to throw anyway. Um, so I'm thinking, you know, I mean, you never know how many you're going to get, you know, yeah. you don't know if it's going to be the last one, you're only one. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm I'm going to throw. So
2: How were, I mean, I know it's, it seems to be a really fun game for the players to play in. And obviously it's an exhibition. So were there no nerves when you took the mound or were there more nerves than usual? Like, where were you at mentally for your start?
0: Yeah. I wouldn't say there was a lot of nerves. I would say it's more just like, you're just super like amped up really. If that, like, you know, I've never been a part of something that on that grand of a scale, um, You know, and you get to fly over and you have all the extra stuff that's the player announcements, all that stuff that like kind of just comes into play. Um, So for me, it was just. It was a good test and a good kind of preparation for, you know, what I've heard the playoffs and the World Series look like. Um, So just to kind of control those emotions, uh, kind of, you know, stay within yourself, really. But, yeah, I wouldn't say I was super nervous. I'm like, you know, it's an exhibition game. Um, So it's like, you know, just have fun, see what happens.
2: It's gotta be cool to, to not have the nerves there, but to, for it to still be a situation where you get super amped up for it. I remember the all-star game in DC years ago where max was starting and like every pitch he threw in the first and every heater he threw in the first inning was like over a hundred. It was like, good God, this guy is amped up um, for you. I, I wish,
0: I wish I had that. I was looking, I'm like, all right, what am I going to hit today? I'm not
2: like, <laughs> You know, huge
0: velo guy. I'm like, do I get the first 98 of my career? And the first was 93. And I was like, that's a long way from 98. So I don't think we're good. So I think our training staff and everybody was happy that my velo didn't, um, you know, spike. I've, yeah. I've heard of stories where guys velo spiked and, you know, two weeks later they're on, they're on the IL just because, yeah. you know, they, you know, overdid it or
2: whatever. Who was the coolest person you got to meet up there that you hadn't met before in, in Seattle?
0: Uh, Derek Jeter probably. Um, You know, I grew up a Derek Jeter fan. Um, you know for me at first it was Maguire, and as I got a little bit older um, it was Derek Jeter I wore two I wanted to play shortstop um, you know just being from the northeast just you know that's a guy that is on TV all the time and, and you see him and you know he's everywhere um, so to, to finally get a chance to meet him especially after you know being in Miami for a couple of years and not having a chance to talk to him I thought was a, was a cool experience
2: um, so we talked about whether it was or was not an all-star game snub somehow last year you finished fifth in the, the Cy Young voting. And I read, I read something that said um, on your phone, you have a list of the writers that didn't put you on the Cy Young list to, to give you motivation. Is that true?
0: Yeah, that's true. I have, I, so I didn't personally write them down, but I have the full results of like who voted
2: for who. <laughs> so it wasn't um, like you're sitting there, Tom no, no, Smith. No, no, no.
0: <laughs> yeah no no and it, yeah it wasn't like that vindictive but i do have the screenshot of, of who's on there um who voted for me who didn't wear it like just the regular results that everybody sees um and i had i had one writer that actually came up and apologized to me I no was like, out of of nowhere, he was like hey i'm really sorry and i was like for what and he's like i didn't have you on the ballot and i should have like this isn't because you said like i i just messed up and i was like Oh, wow. Like, all right. So it's kind of like the, uh, Billy Madison where like you're crossing the name off the list. It's like, <laughs> I'm kind of like, all right, I'll spare you another day, I guess.
2: Yeah. I don't know if I like that, you know, like it doesn't mean no good now. Like, great. Thanks. But you know, I guess I feel That's, better. It's, but... like when an
0: umpire, it's like when an umpire misses a call and they're like, Hey, I missed that one. It's like, yeah, I know you missed that one. I said it was all over the plate. it's like, I can't do anything with it now. Like, yeah.
2: So the least, the least favorite thing, my most hated statement from umpires when I was hitting was, you know, like as a pitcher, I feel like, you know, when you got a call that might've been two or three inches off as a batter, I know when a ball was two or three inches off and I would typically not turn around and say something, but just say like that was off. And then the, my most hated response was that was a good pitch, Ben. And like I don't care if it's a good pitch. There's a plate there. And I know it was off of the plate. So, yeah, so, I know. It's
0: all, yeah. Oh, there's certain times like I'll be in the game and I'll get a pitch. Like, you know, our catchers do a good job bringing it back on. And I'm like to myself, I'm like, thank you. Like <laughs> to say to myself to the umpire, thank you for calling that. Cause I know that wasn't a strike. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it, I don't know. Wait, that's a whole different conversation. yeah, we could yeah have yeah. It another time.
2: Uh, Last year for you, 44 and a third consecutive scoreless innings. I think that's seventh all time, six consecutive shutouts, which ties for the most. What was that stretch of baseball like for you?
0: Yeah, it was, I don't know. It was wild, (laughs) honestly, because like I said, that was the streak didn't start it started after the all-star break, but it was like, I think I had like two good starts and then I had like an okay one in Cleveland. And then after Cleveland, like I just went on a run. Um, and I just, to myself, like going into the all-star break, I'm not a big like numbers guy. I don't look at my numbers, but I'm like, I'm pitching better than when my numbers say like, yeah. what do I need to do to get to where, like, I think I had a you know respectable year or whatever. So for me, I'm like, all right, I have 14 starts left. Let's go see if I can go seven innings, one run. Um, you know, 14 earned runs the rest of the way yeah. and start off pretty good. And then, you know, like I said, I had an okay start in Cleveland and then just clicked. Um, And I didn't know I had the streak until, or had a streak until after San Francisco, I think I'm at like 21 innings or something. Like I was going to ask. When did,
2: I- when in your head, did you realize the streak came about?
0: I didn't, I didn't know it. So I think I did a post-game interview and Todd Walsh are, one of our Valley's reporters said, you know, you haven't given Baron 21 innings. Like I had no idea. Like, and my dad said after the game, cause I left that game with a runner on second base, but I think they got on with an error. He's like, man, thank God, you know, that run didn't score. And I'm like, you know, as a pitcher, like it's unearned, like we're up 10 yeah. nothing, like it's whatever. He's like, no, you haven't given been 20 something innings, whatever it was. And then, you know, I go the next. So the next start was probably the toughest for me in Kansas City because that at that point i was thinking about it I'm like all right, all right, now they expect me not to give up a run. Went out there and pitched, you know, on the defense, pitched scared, and I said, all right, from that point on, like I'm gonna I gotta go out and earn this thing. Like I gotta yeah. take it. I'm gonna pitch on the offense. Um, and yeah, I mean it was it was just a crazy it was a crazy run of you know I I think I, I turned 27 the day after I pitched in Cleveland didn't give up a run for like a month. So I'm like. And this age 27 thing
2: is pretty solid against me. So. so you knew in your head, 14 starts left. Let's try 14 earned runs or less. Do you know what that final total was?
0: Uh, if you would ask me like a few months ago, I probably would have told you. I think I might've given up 15 earned runs. I think, I don't remember. But I know like the streak obviously helped. And then I think I gave <laughs> yeah. up. Three against San Diego, three in Colorado. Like it was close. I think I might have gotten under it. It might have been ten run runs. I don't know.
2: And then I gotta ask about this. Earlier this season against the Royals, you threw what might have been the nastiest pitch I've ever seen. And it got listed as a changeup, but I don't know. One, it it moved, it cut like twelve inches. It moved twelve inches horizontally. Uh, did you and in- Intentionally throw that pitch. Like what happened there?
0: No, I I, I wish. I that so there was supposed to be a change up. Um <laughs> and I don't know if my if my arm was super late or whatever it was, but the way the ball came out just cut and I wish I could recreate it. People were like, Are you gonna like you're gonna work on that thing? And I'm like, if I knew how to throw this thing, I would throw it every time. Was, <laughs> like just the spin looks weird. And so um yeah, no, that was totally by accident. Um it had I think just as much kind of, you know, induced vertical break as my fastball with like nine inches of cut. So it's like, <laughs> you know, you're throwing a fastball that it's like a slider, essentially. So, so it,
2: it was to um, my buddy, uh, Vinny Pasquantino. We went to ODU together, and now he's in the Royals organization. And his his comments on it are hysterical. He said, this was quite possibly the craziest pitch I've ever seen. I've never been more confused in my life. Was it a cutter? Was it a change-up? Somehow it was both.
0: That's <laughs> yeah, so I saw that on Twitter, and I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know either. And I was like, I felt bad at the umpire, and like, Yeah. And the zone was pretty solid that day too. So I was like, Oh man, there goes a good, there goes the good zone for the rest of the game. But yeah, I have no idea. Like I, I wish I could recreate it. I wish I knew how how it worked, but just, yeah, it's inexplainable.
2: You've had, uh, there's been a lot of coaches, managers, uh, hitting coaches come out and praise you for the way you pitch. And as a guy that was a hitter, Professionally, though I might not be the best example because there were way too many 0 for 20s in there. But you're supposed to go up with a plan and, and know a pitcher and try and understand what he's going to do to you. But a lot of hitters and coaches will say that you're a guy that doesn't really have a pattern that somebody can pick up on. Is that something you pride yourself on is never trying to fall into a routine and you know, a lot of pitchers will have like an O2 go-to pitch. I mean, you're a guy that doesn't seem to ever fall into a pattern.
0: Yeah. I, it's not something that I'm necessarily, I don't, I don't know the exact word for it, but yeah, I'm I'm essentially just trying not to, to telegraph sequences, um, uh, and think of different sequences. Like I'm, I'm always trying to do some sort of self audit of myself. Um, you know, whether it's two months into the year at the all-star break, you know, after a couple of starts, just to kind of see like what my usages are, just what's working, what's not working. Um, you know, trying to see how a team, you know, approach me last time if they had success, if they didn't, um, and just trying like for me I I I always just think of it as like a chess match. Yeah. I'm trying to be two, if not three moves ahead. Um And yeah, just try not to fall into those patterns. I mean, that's just kind of, I've always been a guy who hasn't had crazy stuff. So I've kind of just had to learn how to pitch, you know, mix and just kind of try to outsmart guys. Um, I think when I try to fall in love with, you know, one or two pitches is when I can, you know, have, you know, problems.
2: It was cool. I have John Smoltz on the show every Saturday. And when I knew you were coming on, I, I asked about you and from a hall of famers perspective, like what he likes watching about you. Because you aren't a guy that's going to throw. We see 100 all the time in baseball now, but you're one of the best pitchers in the game without doing that. So I asked him what he thought about you and getting to watch you pitch, and I thought his answer was really cool. So let's listen to that.
0: Uh, Very clean mechanics. Sneaky
2: fast and everything he does, right? Ball gets on the hitter. He's rarely in the middle of the plate, and he mixes up his pitches. He's got the compliment to take out a left-hander and a right-hander. But I love the clean mechanics, you know, he's not going to wow you by falling off the mound and throwing a hundred, but he's going to do the ball, do the things that you have to do to pitch in this league. I, I'm a big believer.
0: We know the game has changed and hitters can hit the ball country mile. But if you can put the ball where you want to almost every time you're going to expose hitters, you don't have to throw 98
2: and it's a luxury to throw 98 and get away with more mistakes in the strike zone, but that's a false sense of security that won't last forever. What Zach Gallen is doing is he can repeat his mechanics and he knows where the ball's going and he makes very
0: little mistakes in the middle of the plate.
2: I mean, gotta be pretty cool to hear a hall of famer talk about you like that.
0: Just to have, you know, somebody at his stature in this game and especially as a pitcher, um, you know, be so complimentary is, you know, it it just makes this thing all, all the more surreal. Um, all it's yeah, all of it just kind of, you know, as, as a, somebody, but somebody that loves the game, like you, I think for me, the thing that drives is like just being on the, I don't want to say like level playing field, but like, at least your peers like know who you are. Um, and that's something that fires me up. So it's, uh, I take a lot of pride in that.
2: I want to talk about you personally being from New Jersey. As you mentioned, you ended up going to, to UNC, what went into that decision? Was UNC always on your radar or was that, was that just something that came about from them scouting you?
0: Yeah, I, I always wanted to go to Carolina. Um, I grew up, um, uh, my dad was a Carolina fan, like way back in the seventies. Uh, he had family that moved there. Um, I loved Michael Jordan cause my brother. Um, and then when I was starting to take notice of, college baseball um you know and the college world series being on espn when i'm in you know fourth to sixth grade something like that um you know carolina was there every year so for me i'm like i love carolina blue like the color just look awesome like i want to go to carolina um and i think they kind of knew that just from an early age um so you know they i think they they it was down to them. Oklahoma state and LSU were my final three schools. And I, I I'm going to guess that my travel coach was like, Hey, just be patient while he takes his other visits. Cause you guys are probably, he's still going to commit there, but you know, he's got to <laughs> do his due diligence. Um, but yeah, it was, it was awesome. I had a great time there. It was, it was the best.
2: You ended up getting drafted out of there. 2016 third rounder. What was your draft day story like for you? How cool was that day?
0: Yeah. So it was, uh, I don't want to say like a letdown, uh, but oh, just God. going into the draft. Yeah, no, I, not necessarily a letdown. It was more like going into the draft. It was like, didn't necessarily have like a concrete um, like spot where I was supposed to go. Um, we had heard as high as like the back end of the first round. And then obviously like to the end of the second round. So, I mean, you know, the, those are kind of like just soft guidelines. Um, so, I, I remember driving home. I drove home the day of the draft. From North Carolina. And I remember talking to my brother on the phone. And he's like, What do you think? He's like, What do you, you know? Where do you think you're going to go? And I was like, Well, I was like, If the college arms go early, I was like, I'll go higher than we think. If they go later, then I'm going to slide. Sure enough, the high school arms went first. So I started to slide. Um, don't get picked in the first day. And then the second day, we're all, you know, at my Aunt Jennifer and, and Uncle Jimmy's house. And we're just sitting there and the the draft is on the computer or whatever. And sure enough, we're sitting there and I forget who was in there. My dad or my uncle or both were in the computer room and just, they just jumped. I'm like, and everyone went crazy. So like, it was kind of a just organic, like natural way of being drafted as opposed to the, you know, normal team calls you, Hey, we're going to pick you in five minutes. So like as much of a letdown as it was not to go, you know, on day one, the organic kind of just everybody having, you know, just, natural excitement I think was was worth
2: it. Aside from a couple starts in uh in rookie ball, you you pretty much you skipped short season, you skipped low A and you start in high A in Palm Beach. And it was the same year it was the same year I was there in Lakeland. So I don't know if you ever faced Lakeland in your time in Palm Beach, but there's a pretty good chance that we might have faced each other. And I might just not remember it because I probably got punched out. But did you ever face Lakeland, do you know? Uh I
0: I want to say yes. And you know, what's funny is 21 year old me from the Palm beach Cardinals has a bone to pick with you. Oh no. (laughs) So obviously I'm not trying to, uh, you know, air you out here, but there was a game that we were playing in Palm beach and it was a day game and it was the, the pace was unbelievable. I think the game went over an hour and 45 minutes. And I think
2: I know where this is going
0: may or may not be named dropped a fly ball and and right field and the game lasted four hours and I was charting that day in the May heat of Florida so I just want to say I really appreciate that you you dropped that fly ball we were out there for four hours
2: you know what uh, I remember about that game one our GM was actually in the stands sitting right behind home for that so obviously whenever you have like the big brass in town you're like all right like let me make sure I play the game hard, do the right things, have a good game. So then I remember, cause it was, it was a million degrees outside. And I remember I ran in and it was like a shallow pop-up. So I went to look at, to make sure everybody was getting out of my way. And then I looked back up and I couldn't find the ball, like nowhere to be found. And then I finally found it last second and ended up dropping it. In case you're listening, the, player to not be named that dropped a fly ball was me. And uh, I, what I remember, I think Randy Rosarena actually hit that baseball. If I'm not mistaken. He did. Yeah, he did.
0: <laughs> yep. It was Randy. I, I was just say I remember Randy hitting that ball and I'm like, Oh, I was like, I think we would have lost one, nothing, which is like, I think we want to come back to win that game. But when it's May and a ball and it's 900 <laughs> degrees, and you're charting. You don't care who wins the game. You're like, as long as this game gets over in like two hours, this is great. game. Oh, it was, uh, yeah, it was,
2: it was brutal. Yeah. Well, uh, I will take this time to apologize for making your experience behind the plate (laughs) that much worse. Uh, I do remember because it was, it was the one fly I've obviously made errors in the outfield professionally, but from like throws, that get away from guys, but that was the one, the one pop-up fly ball that I ever just clanked in the outfield. So I'm glad you were there to experience that. And we can talk about it here today. This is therapeutic.
0: I will take a little bit of blame because I'm pretty sure I either said to myself or to whoever was charting with me, I'm like, man, I'm like, we're on a good pace, right? Cause it was like the sixth <laughs> inning. I think I was like, we're on a good pace right now. I'm like, we could get to the beach. Like this would be solid. And then sure enough, like the next half inning, I was like, Oh man. And then it was like <laughs> so,
1: uh, yeah.
0: But I think I did throw against Lakeland. I, yeah. I mean, that time was a blur. I mean, that league at that time, there were some really good players. Like I was telling guys the other day, we just played the Braves and that, um, Firefrog's team was unbelievable that year. Yeah.
1: Like Cunha
0: Riley. Yep. And they were all 18, 19. Um, yeah, it was just, I mean, there was really good talent that year in that
2: league. It's one of those I I've told this before, but I, I pitched in college. I did both in college. So professionally, like when a game became a bro, a blowout, I would obviously volunteer to be the guy to pitch. And I did, we were, we were getting our ass kicked by the, the fire frogs team with Acuna and Austin Riley. And I came in punched out the first guy. I think it was Alex Jackson. We've actually talked about it since punched him out on three straight fastballs, And then this next guy comes up, I get ahead again. Oh two. I felt like I was throwing 105 miles an hour. Um, I wasn't, but I did, I did touch 92 there, which was, which was good for me. i the other Verlander got all the velocity. I didn't have it, but uh, <laughs> so this next guy comes up. I get ahead 0-2 on two fastballs, and then I shake my catcher as a position player in a 17 nothing ball game. Like, I, no, I got this. Yeah, I got this. trust me, I was a pitcher. Throw the nastiest curveball of my entire life, and it's hit for a rocket off the wall in right center field, and that ended up being Ronald Acuna, who is turned out to be pretty good at baseball.
0: Yeah, solid player. You know, I like. Riley to me more like at that time was harder to game plan for than Acuna, which is so wild to say. Like, but I watching Riley play was like, Okay, that guy he was supposed to go to Mississippi State, I think. And I'm yeah. like, if this guy would have been a freshman this year, he would have hit fifty home runs probably <laughs> in the SEC. Like it would have been a joke. So like watching him play and then I think Acuna might have went High A, double A, triple A that year too, or something along those lines. But when we played him, like he was you could tell it was a really good player, but there was just something about Riley that was like different. I'm like, okay, this guy, like at 19 to be in high A, there's there's something legit about this guy.
2: Yeah. You end up shooting up through the minors as well, high A, double A, triple A, end up traded to the Marlins. How did you how'd you find out about that trade?
0: Uh the let's see. Where was I? I was in Palm Beach. <laughs> this is a story that kind of went viral, like not too long ago. But I was in Palm Beach. They had us come down for a camp, uh, like a winter workout camp. I don't know. It was like they had me come down for two days. I was told after the fact, "Hey, you didn't really have to be here, but you know, thanks for coming anyway." I'm like, all right. So I wasn't really too happy about that. <laughs> um, and get to the airport, and we see that. The Cardinals had agreed to a trade with the Marlins for Azuna, and I, I forget at the time if we knew somebody was get, like if we knew Sandy was in the trade already if it was somebody else or whatever or they didn't name him yet. And I remember looking at uh, one of the guys that was there in the airport, and I was like, "Man, everybody's getting traded. That sucks for them." <laughs> like, little did I know, like two hours later, I landed in my connecting landed in Charlotte for my connecting flight, and my phone is. I didn't turn it off, so like it just like as soon as you get back to the service, yeah. It's like and it just started to ring and buzz and all. And I'm, I got a call from one of the guys from my agency, and I'm like, oh, this, this can't be good. So I let it go to voicemail. Listen to the voicemail, and he's like, I'm sure you've heard about it now. I'm like, nope, haven't heard anything. So I went <laughs> right to Twitter, saw it. Yeah, it was it was a whirlwind. My mom texted me, she's like, did you just get traded? I'm like, I guess I don't know. I guess we're gonna find out.
2: So yeah. And uh, so in 2019, you end up getting your first, your call up to the big leagues. And I like asking everybody this story because I didn't get it. You know, you always want to get that phone call and, and to get it in 2019, what was that moment? Like, how did the call to the big leagues happen for you?
0: Yeah, it was kind of wild actually. Well, I don't know. wild, But like I was having a pretty good year in AAA that year. Um, and it, it was to the point where I was like, all right, what, what more else can I do to show that I'm ready? Um, it's like I felt like I had checked every box in AAA. Um, I mean the the unfortunate part was that well, unfortunate for me, but fortunate for other guys. Like nobody got hurt, so like there was no spot for me to pitch. Um, so <clears throat> a starter goes down. I want to say it was Caleb Smith or Pablo Lopez. One of those guys goes down, and I'm like, okay, my start is coming up. Like I should that'll probably probably be my spot. Yeah. Um, and I, I think they have to push me back a day or whatever, so I don't get. I'm thinking to get called up, no call up. So I, I wasn't happy about that. Um, my age just kept just being like, hey, listen, whatever you do, don't change what you're doing. Just try and stay healthy. So I was pretty fired up about it. I think every, all the coaches and every the players were like, kind of like, you know what, you know, it was, we were kind of surprised. So yeah. I'm voicing my opinions, venting like whatever to the pitching coach. I make one start in El Paso throw fine, like whatever, it's whatever. And we go to Albuquerque next. And after the Albuquerque flight, on the flight home to New Orleans, the manager comes up to me and I'm watching the, I'm watching a movie. And I thought he was going to say something about the movie that I was watching. And he taps me on the shoulder and he's like, Hey, when you get off this flight, you're going to be a big leaguer. So I took my headphones out. I was like, "What, what are you saying? He was like, when you get off this flight, you're going to the big leagues. And I was like, no way. So I had to sit there for like an hour and a half. <laughs> and like the te- my teammates started to find out, like guys that were sitting around me and they were like, really? Like, But, you know, it was a late flight. Like people weren't going to go crazy. And I couldn't tell my family, couldn't tell anything. And then I got off the flight and all the guys were waiting for me. Um, You know, gave me handshakes, hugs, whatever. Um, Yeah, it was crazy. I got home at like 2.30 in the morning and had to pack, call my family, let them know, Jeez. hey, this is what's going on. Yeah, it was, I, I don't think I slept like for, you know, probably 20 something hours.
2: <laughs> you end up that you end up getting traded to the Diamondbacks. Basically it was you for jazz Chisholm. And uh, a couple of years ago, jazz said he wanted to Homer off. you as the guy that he was traded for. And uh, I love jazz came on the show. It was a great episode. I love the guys since then though, jazz has gone over nine with three punch outs against you. Is there some extra motivation there in that matchup between you two? Uh,
0: I, I mean, I think there was at first, yeah. um, obviously, you know, that I, I feel like I never really thought about like the trade. Like I never think about the trade, like the Ozuna trade, like I'm never like checking Azuna's stats or anything like that, yeah. like that, like trying to like keep up. So like for me, I wasn't, I wouldn't have really been concerned about a guy getting t- traded for, um, it was somebody I'd, I never ran into jazz, never played against them. Like, just wasn't really, didn't really know anything about him, really. So, like, for me, I wasn't really cognizant of the trade. Um, and then he had said that, you know, wherever whatever podcast he was on. And so I'm like, okay, like, now there's going to be added, yeah. um, you know, whatever to this thing. But, like, I, that, that was two years ago. And for me, like, I'm not somebody that pitches with a lot of emotion. And that first start against Miami, I definitely was pitching with a lot of emotion. Like, yeah you could see my velo was up extra high that like first three innings. Like, so, and I've just kind of learned that it's exhausting. Um, You know, I mean, it's just like, now it's just kind of like, all right, I'm gonna go out and do my job. I'm trying to help my team win. Um, You know, he's a good player. Like I know that the O for nine, like it's probably not going to last. So build this thing up and make it just nuts is just like, is way too much on the, on the mental game. And I need to have, you know, all my wits about me.
2: How cool is it for you when you get called up to the Marlins? Obviously not, you know, they're a good team this year, not a great team yet. And then the D backs for your first couple of years there uh, started to show signs of being good. And then this year, I mean, you're getting to pitch every time out in the middle of a of a playoff push and went really well in the, in the first half. I know the second half hasn't been quite as good as the first, but you guys are still just a couple games out of a playoff spot right now. How much fun is it for the first time in your career to really be pitching uh, to to get into the playoffs?
0: Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, so this is actually the second time, I guess, technically. So when I got oh, traded come, from yeah. Miami to Arizona, they were in a playoff race. So for me, like, I think I was kind of naive, excuse me, like naive in the sense that like, I just got traded from, Miami, who's in a rebuild, reload, whatever you want to call it to a team that's now like two games out of a wild card spot <laughs> and is like, had went to the playoffs in 17, led the whole entire division in 18, and then just struggled in September down the stretch. And then 19. So it's like, okay, I'm going like, I didn't really know that like, there was this kind of success over the last couple of years. Cause like when you're not in the minor league, you're not necessarily paying attention to like what's going on in the big leagues in terms of standings and all that stuff so like yeah i think i was just kind of not, not necessarily oblivious but like all right i'm just going to pitch like i'm just trying to survive in the big yeah. leagues like for me i just want to stay here um so there wasn't really this added amount of pressure but it was like you could tell each game was like you know it, there was something on the line there for each game and then obviously the last couple of years have been have been tough and then last year you kind of saw that last two months of like yeah. all right let's play this thing like we're gonna we're in a playoff race you started to see guys coming up like there's this fun part about being a, a young team that gets to play spoiler because it's like you're getting the that feeling of playing in a playoff race. Like you're like, all right, we're like, no, there's something on the line for us too. We have to prove something. And then like you said, start out hot this year. Um, and yeah, I think just, just having those, not that every game isn't meaningful in the big leagues, but having those games where it's like live or die every night yeah. is definitely something that you can't teach. Like you just have to experience. So. I, Think you know the, the experience for us is is huge.
2: How excited does this year make you for the future of the Diamondbacks? Obviously, this year, very you could get into the playoffs this year, but the writing's on the wall that this team is going to be good for a long time to come. I mean, Corbin Carroll's a, a superstar, um, and, and there's so many, so much young talent around this team that uh, you know. I hope you guys get into the playoffs this year, but. The the future is clearly very very bright, and to have what seems like now the first time that this organization is willing to buy in on you guys and going to get a bat at the trade deadline, it feels like the writing's on the wall for this D backs team to be good for a long time.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely exciting. Um, you know, I I would say that talking to the front office, um, you know, it, they they've lived up to their word in the sense of like when I came up or like one of my you know, first couple of years, it's Bobby Witt and it's Julio Rodriguez, like, you know, played really well, having unbelievable seasons a rookie year. And I'm like, okay, where's our guy? Like, where, where's that, where's that guy for us? Like, when do we get that guy? And they're like, don't worry, he's coming. And I'm like, all right. And then Corbin gets here and plays a month last year. And you could see that like, it, it was there, but like in a month, you have no idea like what, you know, right. he's coming off injury and all this stuff. And then this year you saw who is Corbin Carroll and I'm like, okay, they're, they're, they're on, they're on to something here. They're bringing guys up. Um, So yeah, there's just, I mean, the organization's in good hands. I mean, there's guys, even in the lower levels, um, you know, guys like Jordan Lawler, um, just, you know, to name one of the guys, but yeah, yeah, I mean, there's, we brought up guys that, you know, are getting their feet wet and seeing what it takes to kind of stay in this league. I mean, it's, I had a coach back in the day tell me, he's like, it's hard to get to them. It's even harder to stay there. Yeah. So it's like, these guys are starting to understand like, okay, this is, this is a grind every night. It's not just like a, you know, let's just roll the balls out and see what happens. So, yeah. but yeah, I mean the organization's in great hands, um, Hazen and, and Amiel and Fitz and those guys, they've done a great job of like putting the pieces in place and understanding there needs to be depth here and depth there. And, and so, yeah, it's been fun to kind of see it, you know, take shape.
2: A couple of fun ones for you to finish up. Of everywhere to play in the major leagues, taking your home stadium out of it. What is your favorite place to visit?
1: Oof.
0: Um, Let's see. I have a couple. So I grew up a Cardinals fan. So anytime I get to Bush Stadium, I like, for me, that's kind of like as a kid, like I always wanted to go to Bush Stadium. We never got to go there as a kid. Um, So for me, every time I get there, I like, there's just a little bit more of an appreciation. Just because it's something that you know, five, six, seven-year-old me would have. Obviously, it's not the same Bush Stadium that was there that I grew up watching. But still, this just like, yeah, this is cool. Like this is something you dreamed of as a kid. Um, I think Dodger Stadium is the place. I haven't been. I haven't played in Yankee Stadium yet or Fenway. But to me, Dodger Stadium is the place that feels like the big leagues the most. Yeah. Like, okay, this is the big leagues. This is like you. I mean, there's celebrities sitting behind your dugout. Like the first one of the first weekends I got called up in Miami who played in the Dodgers and sitting behind the dugout over that weekend series was Owen Wilson, Brian Cranston and Jason Bateman. <laughs> and I'm like, does this happen all the time? <laughs> um, it hasn't there. And I've only seen, I think Brian Cranston, like one other time at the stadium, but yeah, I'm like, okay, this feels like the big league. So those are, I mean, all, a lot of them are really cool. I mean, San Francisco is cool. San Diego is cool. Um, and Wrigley, obviously the history, but for me, it's, you know, I would say probably Bush stadium and and Dodger
2: stadium are pretty cool. Do you have a least favorite?
0: (laughs) I I mean, I think my least favorite would be the same for a lot of people in in the big leagues. Um,
2: the Oakland Coliseum. Yeah. That's the, that's the, that's the general consensus. It's always either the Oakland Coliseum or somewhere where a guy gets lit up or can't hit. It's, it's always either one or the other.
0: I, I will say that uh, Cincinnati is not my favorite just because um, it's tiny. You know, they yeah. call it Great American Small Park. So, like, it's just <laughs> kind of like it's one of those ones where you're like, uh, man, am I getting the pitch of Cincinnati this time? All right, dodge the ball. Like, uh, so, yeah, it's – but, yeah, the, the Coliseum, you know, is, uh, is definitely not my favorite.
2: Last one for you. In the outfield earlier this year, speaking of the Coliseum, this happened there. You killed a bird in the outfield. What was going through your head when you hit a bird in the outfield?
0: I have no idea, honestly. Um, (laughs) Yeah, this is that the video right there. It's like so. I'm working on a. I'm working on my curveball right there, just like (laughs) playing catch with uh, DC, one of our pitching coaches, and I threw a curveball, and he just like whiffed on it. I'm like, oh, what's going on? And then I just kind of see, like, I saw the what. I now know is the bird like tumbling towards him and like hits him in the leg and then he whiffs on the ball. I thought he got hit in the shin. And then I realized <laughs> he's like looking around, like seeing what's going on. And I realized he got hit. It's a he got hit in the leg with a bird. So there's nobody out there but me and him and two ground screw guys. And I'm like going like, oh, oh, <laughs> like I have no words, just going crazy. And these ground screw guys are like, what is this guy doing? Like, what is going on? So there's guys in the dugout and I come in, they're like, "What is going on out there?" I'm like, "I just killed a bird with a baseball," <laughs> and they're like, "No way!" And I'm like, "Yeah," I was like, uh, I, "I don't even," I, I have no words. And they're like, "We don't believe it." I'm like, D- "It's out there. You can go see it." So <laughs> we went, and the AC, our our video guy, had him pulled up on like the you know replay, like all that stuff. I'm looking at, I'm like, "No," I, I can't believe it. Like it's it's nuts. Like it was, and the bird was like flying towards me and a curveball of all things. Like it's not straight. Like, yeah, it was just kind of like, I I don't know. It was wild.
2: Zach, I appreciate you joining me, man. I really just wanted to have you on to apologize for taking the time out of your life that you'll never get back of dropping that pop up down in Palm beach. So (laughs) sorry. You could have been on the beach, (laughs) but you ended up having to sit in 105 degrees and bake in the stands in Palm beach.
0: Well, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, I appreciate it, man. Have a good, good luck the rest
2: of the way. Uh, Keep going, man. I'm rooting for you in the, this season, Cy Young voting and all that. You're going to get one at some point in your career. So I appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. Good luck. See ya. All right. Just wanted to thank Zach again for joining me. Really fun conversation. And the second he said, I have a bone to pick with you. I was charting behind the stands. I knew exactly where he was going because I do remember that. It was the, I think about that often, actually, it was the one time I dropped a pop-up in the minor leagues and Randy Rosarena hit it. So I remember it very well, but a really, really fun conversation talking about pitching with him. I truly think he is, the most underrated pitcher in the game of baseball. I mean, three of his four seasons, he's had a sub three ERA. He has been incredible in his career. So a really fun conversation to be able to have with him on his journey to where he is now and uh, his pitching and how he goes about pitching in that Unbelievable change up cutter he threw to my buddy Vinny. Just <laughs> that was the most disgusting pitch of all time. But I wanted to thank Zach again for joining me. I hope you all enjoyed listening. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to your podcast Apple, Spotify, wherever. We're also on all social media, including YouTube, where you can watch every single thing we do at Flippin' Bats Pod for all of them. That does it for another episode of Flippin' Bats. Until tomorrow, my friends, peace.